Welcome to Waiting for Review, a show that follows the journeys of two iOS developers. I'm Dave Knott, an iOS developer from Devon, England. And I'm Dave Wood, an iOS developer in Wellington, New Zealand. Join us as we discuss the development, code and technology of our journeys. Alright, so this has been your first week on the job, is that right? Pretty much, yeah. Um, My first week um, doing proper work in the job. I started on Wednesday, um, so I had three days this week. Um, And this is my new job at Paperkite in Wellington, in New Zealand. So for reference, Um, we're recording on, what is it now, Sunday the 20th of August. So you you started the Wednesday, whatever that would be, the 16th. Wednesday prior, yeah. 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 Um, so I'd, I'd had like a first day the week before, um, which was, was pretty awesome. It was a sort of meet the team and meet everybody. And that was on the Friday, um, just over a week ago now. Um, and I think as first days go, that was, was pretty damn awesome. To be honest, it timed with, um, a team outing to a festival that was on in Wellington. Um, that was all about beer. Mm -hmm. Um, so as, uh, as, first days go that was um a, a pretty good one um it was um an event that the company was quite heavily involved involved with really um paper kite make the app for for the festival it's called beervana um and the app itself uh, was very heavily in use as i sort of looked around everybody was using it to uh, sort of find particular types of beers and and rates their um their favorite sort of tipples that were in the um because it's the sort of event where um lots of different um breweries and vendors sort of show their wares um and so the app um kind of brought in another side to to the event um and it it enables people to uh, to rate um what what they've sampled and drank um that that was pretty cool um we had like leaderboards um, big sort of television sort of showing the, the, the top um, the top 10 um, and that was a direct feed from um, from the app's data that's, um, that's pretty cool thing. isn't it yeah so in real time um, these these sort of beers were sort of jostling for position um, yeah really very cool first day and a very cool event to go to um, so that was that was my first day and I, I don't think I'll top that one to be honest um, but, uh, the first week, the first sort of three days, um, working, that's, that's been pretty cool too. Um, so yeah, my, my first day, um, was essentially here's, here's your new shiny new MacBook Pro, uh, which is really awesome. It's, it's, um, the 15 inch, uh, touch bar. Very nice. Yeah. Space, so coming from gray. my space great, yep. It is yeah, oh, they, that, few. wasn't even uh, in question or in doubt, I think. <laughs> um so that's pretty groovy. One of the things with um with paper kites is that they sort of try and sort you out with, with a new machine um as soon as you start. And you know, it's, it's kind of part of the first day sort of ritual. Um and um so I spent most of my my sort of first working day getting getting the machine installed and kind of you know learning some of the processes and things that um that they do as a team. Um 
and then I think it was I did some reading around some of the code base um, and some of the technologies that they're using. So they're using um, a lot of reactive libraries. So there's a bit of reactive Cocoa and a bit of RX Swift. All right. Um, and that's that's new to me. Um, so that's that's on my learning list, and I'm sort of absorbing bits through through the apps that they have already, um, and by sort of reading up on the side and everything as well. Um, so sort of straight in, lots lots to learn, um, but I'm really enjoying it. I I, I did um, did some uh, some updates to one of their existing apps, uh, sort of Thursday Friday, and I had my first pull request um accepted as well um by by the lead on the team um and yeah it's it's feeling pretty awesome just to be there and be uh you know be be working as part of an iOS team um which is quite a jump sort of coming from indie to contracting to to now being part of a, a sort of fully fledged you know, team with with multiple devs around me did it feel familiar to swipe and tap in that sense Rather than, um, did that kind of soften the blow, would you say? Ima- ra- imagine if you me. hadn't gone to Swipe and Tap and you'd been sort of indie dev in your back bedroom straight into it, straight into what you're doing now. Yeah, I think having um, experiences like Swipe and Tap sort of ahead of, of this has certainly helped. Um, and, and Swipe and Tap has definitely been the one that's really sort of readied me for for being part of a, a team doing this sort of work. Um, because obviously all my... All my prior experience my prior team experience was was back in my um sort of corporate and analytics job um doing customer insights and uh, and data development so yeah there's definitely having that transition sort of through through contracting through swipe and tap um and now to here it's, it's definitely helped um so i mean it's all experience and yeah, it's. I'm. I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying being part of a a, a team actually. And I, I wasn't sure. You know, if you asked me maybe a year ago, um, I, I would have been quite unsure about taking the iOS development um, sort of side of me and under using that in a salaried job, um, because I, I guess it being it was part of the reason that I left um, my sort of former corporate career. Um, was to strike out on my own and, and, and set everything up as, as a sort of indie and contractor. Um, but actually this, this fits really very well. Um, and I think it's, um, it's given me new experiences, um, learning lots and, you know, I'm surrounded by some very intelligent, very cool people and helps, you know, finding the right team I think is, is the biggest deal for anybody, regardless of whether, you know, you're, you're an indie developer originally or you've always worked in teams or whatever um it's important to be in the right workplace and with the right team it's uh, um, it's frightening when you think about how long you're going to spend with those people when, yeah. even when you compare that to how much time you spend with your family who you know families are hugely important but then you think your work colleagues over a period of time a vast part of your yeah. life is going to be spent with those people so I, th- yeah, I think, abs- like you say, it's really important that you, you know you find find a great team to be a part of. Yeah, you, you you spend far too long in work to to not be getting on in the right way with the people around you. Um, and it was definitely the uh, 
the culture of paper kite sort of outside looking in um that attracted me to to applying for a role with them um so that sort of sense of well obviously we wanted to come and do the emigration and do the move um and to be in new zealand and and to do that i needed to to take a job um with, with somewhere here you know i couldn't just move the family and everything and, and, and sort of get through the visa process on my own um and i think it became a case of um sort of being quite discerning is not quite the right word um perhaps it is yeah being being quite um careful about where i was applying to as well because i wanted to make sure that we wouldn't sort of come all that way and then it would be you know uh the wrong choice, the wrong company, the, the, the wrong working experience, because then I, I would be bringing that back home to my family um, and then we wouldn't settle and that would sort of defeat the whole purpose. Um, yeah, I think there, there could have been, an, you could have come at it in that the emphasis was just to get a job, any job that you know, yep. ticked the right boxes to, to facilitate the move. And then you could have put all of the weighting on the fact of just being in New Zealand as the importance. Yes. But it's almost like, you know, outside looking in, it's like you split the difference. It's like that has to be an equal weighting on both the job that you take and the fact that you're going to New Zealand. And for the whole thing to work, both have to be in, in check and in balance. Yep, very much. And as, as we're finding out still, I mean, we're three weeks off the plane now. Um, we are maybe five days away from sort of settling into our new home um, with the things that we've bought and managed to get together here, we were still kind of waiting for our um, remove re- our removals to arrive from the UK. So we're waiting for all of our stuff. Um, and I'm finding that, you know, that that is stressful. It's very stressful. We've got two kids and we've had a variety of experiences over the last few weeks. And, and some of it has been quite tough. Um, I think, just to bring that to life, the most recent example would be uh, we, we've bought a washing machine secondhand to sort of last us until uh, our, our one comes off, off the boat. Um, and it was a clunker. It, it was wrong. Um, I've had to, it was um, essentially chucking a load of, um, a load of muck in with the washing every time it, it was ran. And we, we descaled it. We did everything to try and sort it out. Um, and in the end I had to, to contact the guy and this is through like it's through trade me it's through new zealand's equivalent of, of ebay um and so i had to do the whole kind of getting the guy to come and, and pick it up and give me my money back um which thankfully he did um but it's it's all these all these kind of logistics that you have to do um are quite intense especially with having the family in tow so sort of bringing it back round that the working environment has definitely had to be as, as good as I can possibly get. And I, th- I think I've managed to sort of succeed quite well with, uh, with paper kite in that. Mm. How many of interest, how many people are on the team there, including you? Um, so broadly across the company, I think there's over 20 people Whoa, and okay. on the iOS development side of things, it's about four people. And you're one of the four. That's, that's, yes. Cool. Okay. I think that's got that's such a good string to have have to your bow, really, because I've I've always felt, and we've probably spoken about this before, but I always always felt that's something in me that's been lacking. Because even when I was kind of working salaried up until uh, February this year, 
it was really only throughout the five years I was there at various points people came and went but it was always ended up just kind of being me and one other yeah and I always felt that was some kind of weakness that I've always had and I haven't really I've never worked in a team of five or a team of ten or a team of you know x amount um, mm. so I think I think the fact you're getting that in what seems to be a really cool environment is a is a big win I, I definitely agree on that and, and having had the sort of range I think now I think I can say I've had the range of sort of you know one man band um sort of through to through to teamwork um on the iOS dev now and um no I think there is there is something to be said for having that that experience cuz it is a different way of working and um I mean obviously I'm 3 days in to to this particular job in terms of of actual work days um there's a lot more for me to to experience and kind of get up to speed with yet um but i think i can also sort of see how potentially how some of this might feed back into um into my sort of side projects later on as well um and that is to say obviously you can work very differently as a a, a solo dev and there are you know, process wise you, you only have yourself to to answer to um and you can kind of remove all the bits of, of a process that get between you and your objective. You can streamline things all the way down. Um, but in a, a team working environment, there are good reasons for certain parts of, of, of the processes used. And a lot of it boils down to the fact that you may, you may be the person who is working on that code or that, that piece of a project right now. Um, but, you know, we, we've referred before to the idea of making things okay for future you as an indie <laughs> yeah yeah um in a team environment in a in a, a an environment where you're working for other people um it may not be future you it could be future your replacement or future somebody else who's sat opposite you right now and you know you might be on holiday at the time they go to use that that code or do something with it um so and I, it's tricky. I, I don't necessarily want to get too bogged down in this, but um, a lot of the the sort of nitty gritty of what I'm learning at the moment is is parts of the process that um, that clearly make life sort of more manageable for for everybody. You know, you do do a commit in this way, you do pull requests in this way, and and there's various other bits and bobs um, as as to how everything links together. Um, but um, a lot of it is is about making sure that things are repeatable and are kind of the steps are clear, and you know anybody can kind of jump in to sort of sort things out if that person isn't there. Um, and I think some of that 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 can definitely be brought back to the indie side of stuff as well, um, because yeah, having having processes that that guide you in terms of how you're developing and, and, and how you're releasing and how you're bringing your code together. Um, you know, they, they can help future you if it's just you on your own. Um, so yeah, I think some of what I'm learning here and certainly obviously all the um, sort of technical skills as well, picking up the reactive side of things, um, it, it can only really help sort of broaden me out as well for, for everything that I do development-wise. Sounds like so it's a great good opportunity. Yeah, it's great to be learning. It's great to sort of finally be in the job. Okay, so 
I mentioned, you know, before that um, in my new job, I've been given a, a shiny new MacBook Pro to to work on, um, and that's been been interesting. I, I can, you know, use that machine for for general purposes as well as work purposes as well. So I've definitely gotten a good upgrade here. Um, but I think you're, you've been thinking recently, Dave, haven't you, about upgrading your setup, changing your setup. Um, and I think part of your dilemma, if I remember things rightly, is striking the right balance between portability um, whilst also sort of the the nice office working environment environment that you've got set up. Yeah. So I I feel like I've gone from pillar to post on this one um, in that I, I've kind of got my iMac that I'm sat at now set up in my office just the way I like it. And it's all, it's all good. So then with my seven coming up eight year old MacBook pro, you know, it's, it's seen better days. I think it's fair to say, um, intermittent wi-fi dropouts are now becoming more regular um gpu panics are becoming more frequent it's yeah it's it's on borrowed time i think it's fair to say (laughs) um so i thought well if i've got all this power in the imac then i don't really need much of a laptop because when i do use my laptop it's just for bits here and there catching up with certain bits or just maybe if i'm away um in fact, I'm going away as soon as we finish this podcast. I'm driving to like Great Yarmouth, so I'm going to be oh, away wow. for a few days there. So having a laptop while I'm there would be great. I don't think I don't think I'm likely to sit down and do hours and hours of development of like iOS development, you know, compiling Swift stuff like that. Yeah, um, I always find when I go away, I spend like the night before making sure that I've got all my stuff on the laptop that I've been working on on my iMac, sort of making sure yep. the two are in sync and I've got all my stuff because I've got this vision that when I get there, you can unpack the car, get everything settled in, and then I can just open up the laptop and carry on working. <laughs> but that never happens. <laughs> it never happens. No. Um, the reality is I might jump on the laptop for like 10 seconds. So I thought, well, why don't you know, I could just get like a MacBook, uh, well, like a MacBook, like the MacBook Adorable slash MacBook One slash whatever other yep. names it might have. Um, tiny tiny machine tiny tiny machine yeah basically keep the power on the desk in the form of the iMac and then if I just need something then I've got a really lightweight laptop um, I've, I've been pretty much sold on that idea for about I don't know the last few months until maybe the last week or two in that yeah. I've been using my laptop a little bit more um, for a few reasons and I've been taking it to client meetings and things like that and I'm wondering if I'm I'm toying with the idea of selling the iMac and then putting the money I would have put towards a low-powered MacBook, put that budget on top of what the iMac's worth, plus or minus some change, and go for a, well, basically, I guess what you've just got, which is the 15-inch MacBook Pro. Yeah. Um, and then that kind of leads on to my working at home situation in that if I'm I'm kind of splitting my time between independent iOS development and sort of doing web development for clients. And I th- I've been finding that 
I'm struggling to focus a little bit at home um, just because of you know, various distractions, which I think a couple of shows ago we, we touched on, didn't we? And yeah. I'm thinking maybe a, a, like a little office might not be a bad idea or taking advantage of coffee shop working or co-working spaces. And all of these things lend themselves to a laptop a lot yes. more than, well, definitely a lot more. It'd be completely impractical to you know rock up to a coffee shop with an iMac. Although I'm sure someone that there's probably done that. Um, but I, I think uh, I've seen a few memes, yeah. uh, <laughs> where uh, you know the uh, the hipster meme guy taking an entire iMac and setting it up. Um, <laughs> yeah, it must happen. But no, for for any practical purposes, it's not practical to take a desktop around with you. Um, I think, and. Yeah, so for the type of working that you're describing, the the MacBook Pro, the 15-inch MacBook Pro makes a lot of sense um, just for the, the real estate that you will have on the screen. Um, I mean, the, the latest ones are really quite light, I think. Um, you know, I, I think you will sort of feel that difference between the one that you have in your hands now that is, you know... It's pretty heavy. to go... Yeah, and um, and I, I had one, um, I think a year or two older than that one, so I kind of remember the feel of that. And it's um, it's actually been one of the major things I've noticed about this laptop so far is that I've gone from having a 2013 um, Retina MacBook Pro 13 inch, um, reasonably light, sort of sat in my bag. Um, so having the 15 inch now, which is the, the 2017 model, and um, I haven't really noticed an awful lot of difference in weight. That's um, interesting. Now I don't know pound for pound exactly what the difference is or isn't there, um, and it may just be you know this is all perception, and and there is a fair difference, and I've not picked it up. Um, but yeah, um, I mean I had the laptop in my bag earlier on actually and i had to check while we were out you know is is it still there um because i wasn't really sure that the, the bag didn't feel that way down um so yeah um so I, I think maybe if you were coming from where you were with the machine you've got and sort of thinking okay i need to go for the for the macbook adorable as it were um just to sort of have that that kind of lightweight thing um I'm actually finding the 15-inch pretty manageable. And I think if it wasn't at all for any reason, then I, I certainly think that the uh, the 13-inch MacBook Pro would, would be, you know, that, that sort of good combination between speed and, and size and weight if you really needed it. Am I right in thinking with the 13-inch you can only go dual-core? You can't go quad? I think that's one of the key differences, yes. Mm, that might put me off a um, little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had a 13-inch thir- a MacBook. Remember the white sort of co- uh, polycarbonate ones that yep. were around back in 2007? I remember the one. Yeah. I had one of those, and I always found that I struggled with screen real estate a lot. Yeah. And that I always just felt sort of sort of hemmed in. And yeah, and, and on my 13-inch before, um, I sort of, because it's retina... Um, I set it up so it was a slightly higher um, oh, yeah. level of points. Yeah, so you scaled, yeah. scaled it. Yes. Mm. 
Uh, That's kind of exactly what I did with my, with my 15-inch, because even with the 15-inch at the time, and I think it's still true now, except we're dealing in points now rather than pixels because of the retina movement. Uh, yep. Was it 1440 by oh, something, something, 900 and something? Nine, 900 or so, yeah. Um, and I remember going to the Apple store, trying out the 15-inches back in 2010 that were at that resolution. And even those, they yep. just felt a little bit like there wasn't quite enough room. And yep. That when they launched the new lineup that came with the i7 CPUs, because of course it was Core 2 Duos before then, yep. they offered a high resolution screen as an option, which I went for, which was 1680 by 1050. Yeah. So really, it's, it's quite a high resolution laptop, and I, I really like that about it. So I, I think I'd probably need to go 15 inch if I was to get something new. Yes. And, and probably scale it. Even even then, potentially. Um, although you might find the jump to Retina, um, you may prefer to sort of leave it as it is because everything does look really quite gorgeous. Yeah, they, they <laughs> do, don't they? They really do. Uh, I mean, bearing in mind, I have just come from from thirteen up to this, so that that is colouring my view a little bit. I've, I've not changed anything from the default so far. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I, I think. Something that you touched on before is the fact that you're running two machines at the moment. You know, you've got your your laptop that may expire at any moment, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, and you've got the um, you've got the iMac. And you were saying before about loading everything up before you go away, and sort of making sure that you've got copies of everything. And, um. I have to wonder, is that some of what is guiding you towards consolidating down onto a single machine? Yeah, and I, I do miss, I mean, yeah, once I'd got settled in with my MacBook Pro after I bought it in 2010, I, I really felt the benefit of just being able to shut the lid and take take my life with me. Yeah, And then you open the lid and it's, it's all exactly where you left it. And there is something really nice about that. Um, it is. I'm, I'm basically using kind of Git at the moment, um, GitLab almost as like a Dropbox in a weird kind of way. Yeah, it's sort of pushing <laughs> so, stuff up to then pull it back down. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, then I, I had the issue the other day. I, I was working on a on a design for a client, and I pushed my design files up, um, but then I opened it up on the MacBook, and everything looked weird. And of course, I didn't have the right fonts installed, so I then had to go and sort out all of my fonts and just things yeah. like that. That it's just friction and they're little things and you could probably find some way around it but for every um, one of those things that you solve there's probably going to be one more little annoyance that crops up somewhere along the line um potentially just like the other day we went to podcast and i didn't have um audio hijack installed yeah that, that kind of, it's just those little things that you just open it up and think right okay let's get going and it's like oh wait okay now i need to do this yep yeah, there is that, and I think you know if you're running two machines, you're you're always going to find that with um, software and with fonts, um, you know, because that 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 won't be in sync, um, kind of regardless of what other system you might use. Um, but one thing that I have noticed, sort of jumping from my old machine to the new machine, is that because uh, against against the little voice in me that was kind of going, don't do it. Um, I ticked all the boxes with Sierra to say um, 
put all my documents into iCloud. Oh, okay. Okay. So I went all in with that um, about, well, about as soon as I went over to Sierra, really. Um, I think I, I installed Backblaze ahead of that. Um, so I already had cloud-based backup. And I took Time Machine backups. And then I just, when I was satisfied that everything was backed up in more than one place, um, I let Sierra take the wheel um, and uh, sort of manage my documents through uh, through iCloud. And that is specifically for my desktop and for my documents folder. Um, and so I tend to have, I have my source code in a subfolder in my documents folder. Um, and I have everything in, uh, in GitHub as well. And obviously I have Backblaze running as a backup and, and I've got local backups as well. So I kind of have everything very well backed up. Um, but then moving from my old machine to the new machine, so far there's been very little I've really had to sort of move on USB stick. Um, I think one of the few things I needed was um, some garage band files for editing the podcast that, that are not in that documents folder. Um, mm. But otherwise, sort of coding-wise um, and everything else, um, it's been very much just sort of wire everything up and let all of the cloud services do their thing and pull my data down. Um, so you'd so, say so I far it's worked? It's worked, yeah. And, and equally, I've still got the other machine and, um, I mean, my eldest child is... is trying to co-op that as quickly as he can um it's got minecraft on there already now right okay <laughs> um but um yeah so i've moved between the two machines a couple of times over this this, this last week and icloud documents has kind of made that really quite easy um and then all my photos and everything like that that's in icloud as well um so yeah really just just kind of using iCloud for what it is has, has helped me a lot. And I do have to wonder if I had two machines, if I had a, a, a laptop and a desktop set up in the sort of way that you're describing, um, I have to wonder whether just sort of giving in to, to cloud services would sort of help solve a lot of your friction there. It could do. You know? Yeah, no, it could do. I think, yeah. I think longer term, maybe thinking a year, 18 months down the road, I see potentially myself with a little little office maybe yeah and also retaining the home office so that you know if i am home and i can do stuff i can um and i see them being either a four slash 5k display at home and at the office and then the yep. laptop is a bit that moves around and then that frees me up um you know what with charlie who's now nearly a year old being around if i need to be around and downstairs and doing stuff i can just you know flip flip the lid on the laptop at the breakfast bar and quickly do what i need to do while yep. it's like you know playing in his ball pool or whatever or i can keep an eye on him while i do it <laughs> um yeah and because at the moment it's uh you know if my, if my current laptop isn't is unavailable that means having to come upstairs and do stuff and it's not really practical nice so, so i think almost like my life is kind of dictating this i always felt you know wind the clock back three years i was like yep i definitely need one place i can go to and shut the door and just be at a desktop yeah and and i still do 
see the value in that and I think I may miss it especially if I sell the iMac to do to sort of fund this change yeah I'm not sure what the iMac would be worth now actually I should probably look into that mm. it's coming up three years old uh, I think you still get a reasonable reasonable amount for it though I mean in my head um, somewhere between a thousand and fifteen hundred maybe I don't know I'd have yeah. to maybe sort of scout around on eBay and see what the going rate yeah. is but I've I've upgraded it to 32 gig of RAM as well since I bought it and it's got a 4 gigahertz quad core some GPU that I don't even know what it is but it seems fine um and <laughs> yeah I I honestly don't know what it would be worth I must look into that cuz that may be the deciding factor if it's if it's still worth a reasonable amount and it can yeah. uh, take the sting out of a new you know a move like this that could be could be worth could be worth it. Yeah, I, th- I think um, I think really overall though you, you've you've pegged your general requirements quite well um, because I think if you were to go for the the adorable as it were, um, <clears throat> but then you're actually like you say you're traveling between a an office and home or to client meetings and that side of things. Um, I just. I think the 15 inch is going to suit you a lot better. It is the workhorse of the MacBook Pros, I think. Yeah, it does concern me yeah. a little bit as to whether I, I would. It would almost be a downgrade. I don't. I don't know what the sort of benchmarks are. If I was to benchmark my iMac as it is now, and then you were to sort of benchmark your 15 inch, um, mm. maybe we should try that sometime. But <laughs> I, I don't know whether I would almost be downgrading myself in terms of performance. Uh, you'd be. Downgrading in terms of RAM, um, because the the max is sixteen gig, isn't it? Uh you can go to thirty two now, I think. Hang on a second, if you, I, if, I miss something. If you do <laughs> if you do only if you do a build to order. Right. I think. I I'm starting to doubt myself I, now. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um but even so, I mean I don't I don't think I've ever really taken advantage of the fact that i've got 32 gig of ram i think at the time i uh i just bought this new imac and i'd heard it could take 32 gig of ram so i went and bought 32 gig of ram and it kind of gave me great pleasure knowing that i'd maxed it out but i'm not sure i've ever really uh seen the benefit Never really hits it i think yeah had i i mean I, I was on 8 gig of ram with it when it was out of the box for like a month before the 32 gig arrived yeah it was fine I, yeah, I was running Xcode. I was doing all my. It was fine. There's nothing wrong. So 16 would definitely be fine. I'm sure. Okay. Well, I think that's just as well because from what I can see on the site, no, it is 16 gig is the cap. Oh, right. Um, that's that's what they all are right now. I think it's the next generation that could potentially see that. Oh, I know what it is because of the um, like the low energy RAM or chipset or something, and that that maxes out at 16. I think. Apparently so, yes. Yeah, that rings a bell now, actually. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but even so, like you say, are, are you really likely to to need it, to miss it? Doubtful. Um, the, the thing that I worry about is um, if you were to sort of push the machine over a period of time, you know, sort of compiling lots of heavy Swift projects, whether I would be kind of sort of limited thermally relative mm-hmm. to the iMac. Um, I mean especially running the beta 5 of Xcode 9, that that spins, uh, that spins the fan up quite a lot on my iMac right now. I don't, I don't yeah, know. and it must do on the machine I'm using, but 
uh, it's gotten warm, but not boiling hot. Um, and I've done a fair bit of compiling already with it. Um, I, I wouldn't worry about that too much, sort of straight off. Yeah, um, as it starts to age and, and time goes on, you know, that might become more of a factor, but I would imagine by the time it's really, really awful, I either... Um, you know, you're looking for an upgrade at that point, or if you are finding it a problem now, then I think it really will be only in sort of specific circumstances. I think basically, um, um it's cause I'm using the beta of Xcode nine and yeah. I think <laughs> I came into the office yesterday. Um, I sort of had yesterday off. I've sort of been working yeah. till Friday. I thought, right, I'm having Saturday off. Um, it turned out when I walked away from the iMac on Friday night, yeah, basically my fan had been spun up all overnight, all during Saturday. And I came into the office uh, last night, Saturday, and yep. I'd had the door shut. So I opened the door and I was, like, I was like, wow, this room is really, really warm. All the windows were shut. So it turned out the iMac had just been basically heating up the room <laughs> since oh, Friday night. Um, and it was Xcode 9 had been just chewing away at my CPU and just chewing yeah. away at memory to the point where um, my hard drive started to fill up, I guess, as it was paging stuff off to the disk. From Oh, wow. And it said your startup disk is full. And I, I looked and, yeah, it was full. And I had to quickly force quit a load of applications. And then the fan yeah. sort of died down. And then I could see my disk sort of freeing up again. <laughs> to the point now where you know, I've got like 40 gig left or something um, but yeah right. the, the iMac was like really hot as well and I was like oh no have I like done some damage to it because it's, it's always heat that ends up killing computers I find yep uh, yeah that was a bit of a mad panic moment so thankfully I'm going to make sure I just turn the iMac off now before I go away for a few days <laughs> yeah certainly uh, quit beta software yeah um mm. but um no, I, I don't think that's um, I don't think that's a major consideration in choosing the laptop though. Mm. Um, overall, I think it would be interesting you, you, I'd, I'd, if you don't mind. It'd be cool if we could do that. Kind of if we both benchmark. Um, was it is it Geekbench that you see kicking around? Yeah, um, yeah, it'd be super yeah, it cool. is. Which which, um, which MacBook did you get? I guess you got the um, call it the entry level. It's still a really nice laptop. Is, is it is it that one like the two point? Uh, it's 2.8 yes um like i said i've not got the apple site in front of me right now um but uh yes the 14,3 model it's 2.8 gigahertz i7 um 256 storage yes right okay yeah um and the graphics is um let me have a look it's the radian pro 555 yep with you yeah see 256 of storage i'm already pushing the limit of 512 mm. uh, and that's the 512 one is 2699 pounds it's gonna yeah. get you <laughs> <laughs> it's so much money <laughs> uh, um, mm. it's going to be interesting to see where you land with this dave and I, I know you were looking at the uh the adorable for quite a while um but uh, I think practically and also for just, you know, turning up to, to client meetings and having a nice big screen to sort of show things off on as well, um, I think the 15-inch is going to be the better choice. 
Yeah, I think if I want it to almost be like the, the iMac replacement in terms of power, I think it has to be the 15 inch. I don't. Yeah. I don't want to be giving up any power. Not really, because um, I do. I do push the iMac, and I, I enjoy the power it has. So I, I wouldn't want to be going back too far. If I can help it, um, you're probably on the right side of the upgrade cycle to do so now. Um, in terms of how you know laptop speeds catch up with desktop um, over, over time. Yeah. Um, so I think if you were to to go from your you know, 2014 iMac to one of the new MacBook Pros, I suspect um, it's not going to feel like a downgrade. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, we, we could take a look at Geekbench figures and, and, and see where that really lands. Yeah, um, I'm downloading it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Send me the link and we'll give it a go. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think in terms of how it feels and how it is to run... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I love the machine, uh, as you could probably tell. <laughs> so uh, I think you should give it a go. And I th- there's other things to consider as well, Dave. Um, because obviously if you could get the machine um, without having to sell your iMac, you do have the sort of Apple return policy, the 14-day 14 ta- 14 return Yes. Um, yeah, that's true. So, if you had had the means to do so, and then maybe pay something back if and when you sell the iMac, um, that might be another another option. Yeah. Um, sort of try before you buy as well. Uh, potentially, I, I saw something saying that there were some refurbs hitting uh, in the Apple Store now. Yeah, I think I saw that on Mac Rumors the other day. They're they're starting to yep. filter through. You can get some real bargains on there. It's quite yeah, impressive. Really can. And, and I've, I've always kind of gone for refurbs in the past as well hmm. um, because they, they really are no different um, in terms of, of Apple support. So I'm guessing basically someone maybe bought the laptop, didn't like it, took it back, or there was a small fault with it and they fixed it and it's gone back into circulation. Yep. Yeah, the, the only real difference is you don't get the uh, the brand new box. Um, they, they arrive in sort of more plain packaging. Oh uh, um, yeah, it's like when I got an iPad replacement at the Apple Store. They kind of it's just yeah, a brown no, cardboard. No yeah, frills. pretty much. Yeah, um, but you know, do you, do you ever use the box once it's out of it? No, I just I put it in the loft. Yeah, I'll, so uh, never, never throw them out. They just go in the loft, no. and then and every, every time the Christmas decorations come down from the loft, I always spot the MacBook box and be like, "Oh, look, it's a MacBook box," and then just carry on with what I'm doing. <laughs> Okay, that's just about it for this week. If you've enjoyed the show, it would be great if you could review us on iTunes or if you're an Overcast user, we'd love it if you could recommend us by hitting the star button. Um, Also, just to let you know, we now have our own Slack channel that we'd love to invite you to. Our hope is that it can be a really cool place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, there'll be instructions in the show notes or you can just reach out to us on Twitter at WFR Podcast. So Dave, before we go, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at DW RoboHeads. That's RoboHeads with a Z. Um, and you can find my applications at RoboHeads, again with a Z.com. How about you, Dave? Uh, yep, my remote control for Cody is at armchair-remote.com. And my app to help kids learn to read called Space Readers is at spacereaders.com. And I am at underscore Dave Knott on Twitter. <laughs>